Hey, I'm Drew. And I'm Tim. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In Season 3, Episode 1, we talked to Faith Belt and Mike Westendorf about things that can distract from truth in art. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Tim Babbler, joined by my co-host, Drew Sonnenberg. Drew, we are at season three. I'm so pumped. I don't know why earlier I was thinking of that that gif of uh, Paul Rudd. He does the, look at us, who would have thought? Not <laughs> me. <laughs> um, when we started this, like it was, it was a pipe dream and we are at season three. We have... We have people that listen to us on a regular basis. We have awesome patrons who support us on Patreon and help keep our costs low when it comes to web hosting and things like that. Like, honestly, you guys mean the world to us. The fact that you, for some reason, want to hear us talk. And that's why we try our best to bring really cool people on the podcast. Because let's be honest, if it was just Drew and I, you probably wouldn't listen. But Drew, you know, we get people from a lot of different ways. Uh, and one of those ways is by them posting on Facebook sometimes. Our our friends or friends of friends we see just have a really unique and interesting thought. Yeah. Today or this episode will almost serve as a cautionary tale for all of you out there who are friends of mine on Facebook. Be careful what you post because I might make you come on the podcast to talk about it. <laughs> That's exactly what happened this week uh, <laughs> with uh, our, our roundtable we're going to have in a minute here with Faith and Mike. Uh, Faith had posted some artwork she had been working on and made a comment on on the post and Mike replied to her comment and then she responded back to him and they started having this really interesting dialogue and I was like I need to talk to them about this on the <laughs> podcast. So you actually just posted right underneath it's like this is going to be on the podcast guys we're going to have a round table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they they were gracious enough to both to come on. So uh we had a fantastic conversation. It lasted quite quite a while. So we're going to break it up into two parts for you. You'll get the second part next week. But let's go ahead and get started with our roundtable. Today we are excited to have another roundtable discussion here on the podcast. And joining us today we have our good friends Faith Belt and Mike Westendorf. Uh, Faith, for our listeners who may not uh, be familiar with you, could you uh, please briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm Faith. I am a junior at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. I'm studying studio art uh, I like to paint and draw and ceramics, ceramic sculpture. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> awesome. And Mike, for our listeners who may not have caught your previous episodes, can you go ahead and reintroduce yourself? Uh, sure. I am Mike Westendorf. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am currently a full-time staff minister at St. Paul's uh, Lutheran Church in Muskego, Wisconsin. I'm the director of worship operations. I lead worship. I oversee a lot of our tech, and then I do a lot of video uh, work and, and tell the stories of God's faithfulness there. I was a meteorologist for 25 years, um, the last 14 working with UW-Milwaukee and our students there. I run a, uh, I kind of help lead a, a a ministry that serves young adults, of uh, which Faith and uh, is actually part of our group. Uh, so it's Awake and Alive. And uh, right now we're in the Zoom world, but uh, we meet uh, every, about every other week for uh, studying God's Word. 
And then uh, I'm a touring musician, released about eight albums and uh, looking forward to at some point getting back in front of live audiences again. So, Well, the reason we have the two of you on who may not seem to have much in common, Mike being more of a musician and Faith being more of a visual artist, is you guys actually started a fairly interesting conversation on Facebook a, a month or two ago. Uh, and I, I was curious to kind of delve a little deeper into some of the ideas that you guys were were tossing back and forth. So um, would one of you be willing for our listeners to kind of recap what that conversation was about? It started with you, Faith. You, you, <laughs> you were the one who put it out there. And so you were wrestling with attention that I really appreciated mm-hmm. that that I, I just kind of, I wrestle with it too. So can you maybe just talk a little bit about why you put out there what you put out there or maybe what it is and why yeah sure well i posted a piece of art from my fall semester i i think last year i with kind of with covid and like just random things happening i was forced to think a lot about like who an artist is and like who what am i doing (laughs) being an artist I made a piece where I was thinking about kind of the struggle that I have as an artist of like why I make an why I make art and the the distractions that come with it because I I feel like I I kind of have this weird when you're working alone in a studio you you're alone with your thoughts and there's a lot of there's a lot that you have to think maybe this is just me and like being a student and like trying to figure out who I am and the kind of work I want to make and the message that I want to, that I want to say. But I, this one particular piece was about truth. Let me just read the, let me just read it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, I'm working on how, how to talk about my art. It's not, it's, it's a very slow process. Yeah, I I specifically wrote, I've been asking a lot of questions lately about how to discern when art becomes a distraction to truth instead of pointing to it and how that's just kind of weird terrain to navigate. When I'm making art, am I making that for myself? Or I think later I I mentioned, am I making the art so that the good parts of that art is attributed to me? instead of the message that I'm trying to say or what that art is supposed to point to, if that kind of makes sense. So, in other words, you're saying that that the art and the beauty of it is pointing people to you rather than to the message you're trying to convey? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Mike, you had some thoughts about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate... I appreciated the way that you said that, Faith, you know, how to discern when art becomes a distraction to truth instead of pointing to it. And I, I think that there's a, there's a really good example of this phenomena potential in Christian culture today. If you have seen the series, The Chosen, have you guys seen that? Yeah, mm-hmm. by chance. I, I personally think it's phenomenally done. I think it gets it gets far more to the uh, 
to the crux of scripture, bringing it to life in a way that I haven't seen before. And there's an authenticity to it that I just love. And, you know, it came out of nowhere, you know, uh, I just had people saying, have you seen this? Have you seen this? No, I haven't seen it. And I finally went and saw it. And I just, you know, it brought tears to my eyes, just about every episode, the way in which they cast it. And quite frankly, it's the way that I've always read the Bible. It's, it's like it actually came to life. And so here's this, this special thing. And now they're getting into season two. And I don't know, Faith, I mean, this, this is where I think it starts to get dangerous, right? Now it's critically acclaimed. Now it's, it's got the attention of the masses. And all of a sudden you can start finding a risk in losing what was beautiful about it because now um, there's a budget. You know, hey, if we want to do season two, I need to help. We need to get help. And again, these guys have been great with it, but I always carry that that space where there's a season where there's this innocence to it, to the art and a beauty, but then uh, it gains a certain level of popularity and the critics start coming in and poking holes at it and people start taking shots at the director, the, the uh, creator of the art. And all of a sudden the art takes on these other narratives that quite frankly go beyond what the artist actually intended for it to do and it gets confusing to people if you don't see the you know if, if you can't separate those two realities you know but that there's a danger too that then we say well then i just won't create anything because is there a space in which i as a sinful human being am creating an art with pure motives and of course i would say that none of us can say that completely pure but but that there's a lot of art that really does point to uh to our creator and to not be discouraged because i think satan would love for us to not have um stories in the world that people can connect to and i think that's what art does you, you gave the example of one one thing that can distract from the truth is people focusing on the creator rather than the work that they created and the truth they're trying to convey through that work. Do you think there are other things that can distract from the truth in the work? Ooh. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so. I, I kind of wonder, like, time can do that. I was, I think there was, I had an art history class where we talked about reliquaries. You're going to have to let me know what that is. Oh, <laughs> that's how you actually started your post too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Big word. Yeah. It was based on reliquaries. Uh, so a reliquary is, you see it a lot in like Northern Renaissance art. So like Germany and well, I guess, I guess before before the Reformation, but they're they're basically these these containers or vessels that held a a relic. So like they uh, supposed like the saint touched this this object, and we want to keep it forever. Or like there's like part of the the true cross or something like that in in Catholic traditions. But um, they they were these houses that were built to keep this object that was supposedly touched by God or touched by someone holy or something like that. But then they would decorate these these boxes into very beautiful like they'd put they'd put gems 
in there and like precious stones and they'd be made of gold and then they'd get these famous artists to to kind of just spend a lot of time on on making this object beautiful and i i kind of wonder if during the time that that was made if that had a specific reading like the object may have been good at it it showed that the thing inside was very in like very valuable but nowadays we we look back and we look at that and we're like well like couldn't they have used that money to like help other people or like feed the poor and i mean there's a lot of different conversations you can have about that like maybe maybe those arguments were were happening um during the time anyway but it's the idea of you know when the when the art has value and points to the truth but then over time people start looking at either they worship the piece of of art Mm. and it takes on something far beyond what the author intended it to do or they begin to worship the creator you know whether it's a musician or, you know, an, an artist, you know, like yourself, somebody who's making art. I mean, would that be a, that would be a fair, would that be a fair way to think about that? Yeah. I think, I think the nature of making art too can kind of be that way. Cause you're making an object a lot of the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny though, that we literally use the words idolize when we're talking about like famous great works from the past, like no joke, like, man, I idolize him. Like literally, I'm saying I make him into an idol. Like I, I don't know why I never thought about that until right now. You know, it's interesting, Tim. You said that because uh, you know I'm just thinking that idea of when an object point, you know, like good art points people to the creator. I mean, as a Christian, I, I you know, we were down in Florida for a, a, a week, and I watched these sunsets and all this these colors and i just you know i remember telling my wife god's just showing off now and you see the art that god creates but it you know it points to its creator and so that idea of yeah when does it no longer point to the truth when it becomes an object that the object is what's valuable not what it's pointing to i'm thinking of a painting faith you know where uh it's just a bunch of chemicals on a you know, a piece of paper or a canvas, right? <laughs> um, and then it gets old and the, uh, you know, the artist dies and all of a sudden these chemicals on a piece of canvas become worth millions of dollars. <laughs> are we worthing the value of, are we worthing what it's pointing to or the story that it's trying to tell or are we worthing it because of who made it and how long ago or you know, whatever. Mm. Yeah, art preservation is a very interesting topic, I guess. Like, I, I've had this idea in my head, like, should should art, like a, a specific art object, have a lifespan? Like, is there a point mm-hmm. when that object has to go? Like, it has to die? Because, yeah, because, like, the history... I guess the longer a piece of art lives, the the greater the temptation to to keep the object. But sometimes you lose the purpose of that object. Mm-hmm. Especially if it was originally created to, as you've been saying, point to the truth. I think of the Sistine Chapel, that yeah. ceiling. 
mm-hmm. obviously iconic, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, because that painting has outlived the artist and has, and it's literally on a church ceiling, people will go there not to worship God, but to worship the painter and the work of art. I'm kind of thinking about Gideon. You know, he made a piece of art. You know, and his story, if if you're new to the Bible and you're just listening, like, what are he talking about? But, you know, Gideon goes through this whole, you know, little faith guy. You know, I'm the least of the least of the least. And God uses that guy to overthrow uh, the enemies. And so here's this great salvation story that's happening. And everybody wants to reward Gideon. And he asks for um, what you know, a piece of gold or whatever, and they make it into a basically an idol. And unfortunately, everybody turns it into a sacred item, and all of the good that that was that that God used Gideon to do was undone by allowing this statue, this kind of uh, moment of pride, instead of being a duty to the person. You know, and Gideon's probably a pretty decent case study to look at. I had never really thought of that before. I think this gets even more interesting when we start talking about music, because there there's a couple different ways to think of a song um, as far as it being a piece of art. Um, because a song can, in theory, exist in the abstract. Like, I could write a song... And it could never get played ever. Um, but that song still exists. It's still a piece of art. But then th- we could talk for a while about how the, how that interacts with what we're talking about here, about pointing to a truth rather than th- to the artist. But also then if you do have a recording of it, or even if you're you know a touring musician and so you're, the, you're playing this song for people all over the place, I think it gets really difficult for it not to, for it to not in some way point to the creator how can i separate a mike westendorf song from mike westendorf mhm yeah that's a that, that's a it's such a challenge you know and if, if we're being really honest i love making music and what i love about it as a as a touring artist and as a worship leader is i love the truth of the words that we've written and along with melody and the way it crescendos. So um, I'm thinking of the song Worthy, All Glory to Your Name. It's based on Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, and it, it draws some of the, tech, the the bridge directly from Revelation 5. And I know the story why I wrote that, and, and God was the one who gave me the creativity to do it and to put everything together, right? So for me, as an artist, what I'm hoping people connect with is the truth of those words of why we sing why we say worthy but if all of a sudden one day that that song's really really popular it's like chris thomas i I wonder what chris has to deal with you know when it comes to these things you know he writes these songs that oftentimes are just straight out of scripture and um uh he's he's hoisted up and celebrated i think he's got a good group of people around him that keep him humble but all of a sudden Hey, did you hear the song Chris Tomlin wrote? You know, and and it gets muddy. So, challenge. It's definitely a challenge. But do we get? I think one of the, one of the things I remember Faith when I was kind of going back and forth with you that I struggle with 
in in the create, creating something i'd be curious you know tim and drew what you guys think too but you know the enemy doesn't want us to do want us to do anything that points to god and we by nature inherited god's creative gift i mean god said to adam you know go and name and whatever he named him that's what they were called the animals he said go be fruitful and multiply talk about the creation process right he said i want you to be active participants in, in the creation and then you read um so many of the, the different stories the parables that jesus had and he takes an object and helps you understand it uh, a, a truth and so it's it's sitting right there in front of us that these things can point to truth and yet um, how often then do like lyrics get taken out of context or misapplied or somebody sees something completely different in your, your picture, your artwork. And, but those are the things that are outside our hands, how other people interact with our art. Are we to be held fully responsible for their eye uh, or use of what, we, what we've created? I, I, I don't know the answer to that, and I, I'm <laughs> kind of curious to see what you guys think. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have questions you want answers to, people you'd like to hear from, or you're working on some cool new piece of art, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. And we like to pay it forward as much as possible. And one of the ways that we're hoping to do that this year is through our Patreon page. We have patrons who support us. And if you haven't had a chance yet, please check that out. It's patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcasts. If we get to just a few more supporters, we'll be able to uh, raise money that will go specifically towards hosting art contests uh, that are going to take different forms and we'll be able to provide actually compensation and prize for the winners so it's not just for us we we want to continue to support artists as well artists supporting artists is just a, a cool place to be also looking forward to all of the other th exciting things we've got coming up this year but as always thanks for listening we'll catch you next time